Hey everyone, welcome to Sick in the City. We're Amanda and Mel, two sick chicks filling the tea on chronic illness. We have a really, really awesome episode planned for you guys today. We have Brittany Elliott coming on um, from Britter Bees, which is her Instagram. And we are going to be talking all about Lyme. So I'm going to be sharing my Lyme experience. And then we're going to be interviewing her, talking all about her treatment with bee venom therapy, what that is. Before we get into that, we have a couple of topics to cover now. So hey, Mel, what's what's going on? What's all that happening? I'm so excited to tell you all about my latest purchase. (laughs) I've been waiting like a couple of hours this morning to fill you in because I've been updating you every step of the way, but I decided to splurge because I got my tax return this week. And I'm so jealous that you did your taxes. I haven't even done mine yet. (laughs) I don't know. Adult things, you know, I try to keep up with what I can do. But let's not dwell on taxes. <laughs> yeah, I'm proud of you, but let's not talk about numbers ever. Okay. No, anyway, no. What no. did you buy? I need to I need to know. So for years, I have been wanting to purchase a shower filter for our shower because I, you know, I preach about filtered water as far as drinking it, but people don't realize that when you shower in it as well, it can also cause negative side effects um, because like the steam in the air, if there's contaminants and chemicals like chlorine that that water gets treated with in the air in the shower like that you breathe in it acts like carcinogens in our lungs and so it's one of those things that I've wanted to do for a long time and every time I tried to go buy a Berkey shower filter from their website they're always sold out and it's so frustrating and so that's kind of like the reason I haven't bought one because I want to buy from Berkey. I am a loyal Berkey customer. Right, right, right. But they didn't have one. So I got fed up last week. I was like, I'm just going to do some research and figure out what what the next best option is. Mm -hmm. So I found one on Amazon. Okay. From a company called Aqua Home Group. And it's like $28. And you just like screw it into your shower head or shower like pipe, whatever. And there's a 15 step filtration process that actually can remove things and chemicals like chloroform and chloramine, which is chlorine and ammonia, which most city water gets treated with. So if you don't like, if you've never paid attention to what your shower water smells like, oh God, it, it actually can smell like pool water if you, if you pay attention to it enough. And I, didn't know what to expect as far as how I would feel. My life has changed for the better for the rest of my life. I'm never going back. I need to get one of these. You know, it's interesting. A lot of people have been talking to me lately about um, actually how they feel after a shower or during a shower. And I'm wondering if that's the reason is kind of these environmental things that come up. I mean, because think about how much water you probably even get in your mouth when you're taking a shower and washing your hair. I mean, I feel like I'm constantly like spitting it out because I'm like kind of, you know, going in there and you're sort of lathering up and stuff is going everywhere. And Rob actually brushes his teeth in the shower. So I'm going to have to get a filter now that I know this is like very dangerous, actually. I've noticed a lot of weird changes in like my skin and my hair since I've moved up here. And Mm -hmm. so I was kind of curious because everybody says New York water is like the best, right? Like everybody's like, it's the water. That's why our bagels are so good. And like every restaurant has tap water. Like, I don't know. Yes. And it's disgusting. I'm so like, wait, what? Like, yeah. I just assume all restaurants are here 
here are supposed to be like fancier and why not have filtered water? I don't know. Anyways, I got fed up and I was like, I'm going to look this up because I I feel weird after the shower. And like my skin is dry. I get these weird like rashes on my face and my hair has been really thin and dry. And I looked it up and New York specifically has chromium, like a huge excess amount of chromium, which is a carcinogen Mm -hmm. and chloroform, which is from the chlorine that is used to treat the water. That is so interesting about New York. I know that there's a website that you can go to where you can put in your zip code and actually find out what the minerals and all these different things are in your water. So do you know what that is? Yes. So the website I always use is called ewg.org. They also have a whole section where you can look up beauty products or like cleaning products you use and it can tell you what chemicals or like how dangerous certain products are and it's great because you can look up specifically your city zip code and they can tell you which contaminants are present. And so the things that I noticed after this wow. shower today. Okay. Tell us. One, I didn't have like my face didn't feel like it was on fire like afterward because typically my face feels really dry. Like I have to put lotion right. on it right away. And I have like a red kind of almost like rash that kind of comes up on my forehead and that didn't happen, which was nice. Wow. Um, I felt like, oh my God. Okay. This is kind of nasty, but typically like the water that builds up in the bottom of the shower mm-hmm. is kind of like colored and like brown, like brownish. Yeah. Cause oh. I, I just assumed that was like the dirt coming off of my body. Right. Like I was right. like, ew, I'm your nasty. water shouldn't, but your water shouldn't be that color. That's no. not like normal. Like your pipe, there's something wrong. <laughs> Not super brown, but okay, just just not clear, right? Okay, um, just a little darker than like normal. But I'm like, well, I'm I must be disgusting, right? Right, (laughs) I sweat a lot, but it was clear. Like the the water at the bottom of my shower was clear after I bathed, which I was like, wow, cool. Okay, yeah, it wasn't me. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, and I noticed that when I was brushing my hair out after the shower, that not as much of my hair like fell out. Typically, there's a lot of hair in my brush. Right. And there was barely any, which was like, oh my god, that was exciting. Yeah. Um, and the biggest thing that I noticed was that I typically get really hot when I'm blow drying my hair after my shower, mm-hmm. but I didn't get hot. It's like I didn't. I don't know. I'm That's like so weird. It's also cold today, but not to not to take that away. But from even you. in the winter, I mean, oh, you sweat. Like that's any so other day. Bizarre. That's a yeah. really random connection. But that's I know. that's so cool because maybe my body was like, like we don't want this stuff it's like on getting our rid skin of or whatever. But in general, like I also noticed I could like dry off a lot faster. Like I don't know, the water wasn't as like clinging to my skin like maybe I don't know if it's like less right like the slimy or whatever I don't know all in all whoa I'm here for it big fan check it out on Amazon (laughs) awesome sounds amazing (laughs) I know (laughs) but we had a very busy week last week I feel like we had a lot to cover honestly because yeah we had my birthday which was really fun and Amanda and I got to go out and have a little city time together and she shows up to my apartment with a four tier cake (laughs) in a freaking cake stand and like pulls up 
on the streets of New York City, like gets out of her little car with this huge cake stand. She's like, here you go. And I'm like, <laughs> how am I even supposed to get back into my own building holding this huge cake and cake stand? Like, oh my God, it was amazing. Like one of the nicest things anyone has ever done for me. And I wasn't sure if I'd be able to finish it, but Did you? I finished my last piece of wow. cake last night. I yeah. had to seatbelt it into the car <laughs> in a box with a towel as if I was carrying like a litter of kittens or something. I was <laughs> ridiculous. I, I honestly, you know, when I gave you the options and you said you wanted chocolate cake, I think your options, I told you you could have anything you wanted for your birthday. I would bake it for you because I knew we were going to go do our nails day and I said key lime pie because for some reason I thought that was your favorite. I don't I don't know why I have that in my head. And then you wanted chocolate cake. So I was like, okay, I the only cake, chocolate cake that I've made is this brownie cake that's very, very dense. And I've only made it in one layer. And I was like, I'm going to make that into a four layer cake. And it's like just, it's really like almost like my it's my brownie recipe, a little altered. And so it is very dense. And then I went wild and had to do it ombre and was just being out of control, but it was a lot of fun. And I'm so glad that you liked it. I would have been devastated if you didn't, to be honest. I hope you wouldn't have told me. (laughs) I sent Amanda like a full video review of the first bite I ate and like gave her all of my thoughts, all of my details, rated it on a scale from one to 10. We did the whole thing. It was like an unboxing. Um, and the best part was that Justin wasn't wearing pants. It was a pantsless. It was, it was a no pants review from their apartment, which I appreciate. Had boxers on, thank God. But I was like, I didn't even, I didn't even realize that like he wasn't wearing pants. It was so perfect. It was, it was the most perfect way to do a review. I I really appreciated it. So I'm so glad. Yeah. And it was fun. You know, I hadn't been in the city, like actually walking around in the city in such a long time. And we went into, into Nomad, which is North of Madison Avenue. And we went to Sundays, which is a non-toxic nail salon in the city. Um, they have, I think two locations. Mm-hmm. And that was the one that we, that I was mentioning last week when we were talking about non-toxic nail polish. So they sell their nail polish on Amazon. And what was really interesting is that I, Mel got a gel manicure, which lasts longer. I didn't. And my nail polish is still on. It's, it's chipping a little bit. Usually it chips in a couple of days. And, but I've noticed that their nail polish for some reason stays on longer, which That's is awesome. amazing. So it was really, we had a really hard time getting an appointment anywhere for some reason on a Thursday is not the ideal time to go get a mani-pedi in the city. It's a miracle. We were able to yeah. get a scheduled time together. And I think it's because a lot of places are still doing COVID safe, like precautions and keeping people distanced and which is amazing. And I'm so glad about that. Um, but it was like perfect weather. And I've heard from everybody that it's not typically like this at the end of March. Um, Yeah, it's not. And I was like, thank you, New York gods for like granting me this perfect day. And it was such a fun day. And then over the weekend, um, we spent the whole day out on Saturday because it was also perfect. And yeah, we went up to this new kind of like skyscraper um, touristy kind of thing, which I, I mean, how many opportunities are we going to be able to be a tourist in our own city before like Manhattan? Yeah. Life? Hey, wait, 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 wait. You were not at the Empire State Building because that's where I no. thought you were. Where no. were you? We were what? so in the Hudson Yards. There's this new mm-hmm. attraction called The Edge. Oh, it's like this big 
platform type of like, I don't even know what you could call it. Almost like an outdoor giant patio on the 100th floor of this building. And the cool thing about it, they call it the edge because the walls are actually made from like two inch glass. So you can literally go to like the edge and look down and it's real trippy, but all the walls are glass so that you get these awesome photo ops because at the Empire State Building, I mean, there's like a wall and you can only see out like from your waistline, like above or whatever. So, and the edge is cheaper. I found out, which is absolutely ridiculous that it costs so much to go up into the Empire State Building, but it costs like $42, which I did not know. And the edge is like 36 right now. It's worth it. And it was a lot of fun. And we just spent the day out and we walked the High Line and we like hung around in a park and went out to eat. But I learned a very valuable city lesson last Saturday. Okay. (laughs) Um, What's that? I really wanted to look cute because I hadn't gone out and like done anything in the city in so long. And I'm like, I'm 30, flirty and thriving. Now I have to live up to that. And So I put on these cute boots in the morning because I didn't think we were going to be walking that much. And I look at Justin and I'm like, is this a good idea? And he's like, you know, some of life's greatest adventures begin with a mistake. So I was like, were they heels? No, just cute little like ankle booties. They were flats, but they have somewhat of like a pointy toe and I haven't worn them that much. And we ended up walking way more than we thought because it's Manhattan. Like that's what happens. And by the end of the day, I could barely walk anymore. Like we had walked six miles and I should have known, like you have to wear sneakers when you're out in the city. You just have to, because you're going to regret it. And I have the world's most massive blister on my toe. Um, So yeah. Welcome to New York city. Yeah. I think about some of the nights that I used to go out with my girlfriends in the city and we used to wear heels um, mainly because we were using fake IDs to get into bars and we needed to be the height of our ID, especially me. Cause I think my ID was five, four and I'm five feet. Um, and so <laughs> we would wear them. And then at the end of the night, I feel like I'd be like barefoot in the city, like taking my shoes off yeah. and just hard. Yeah. It is not an ideal situation, but it, it is a rite of passage that we all have to go through. That's what I, that's what I figured. I was like, you know, one of these days I'm going to have to make this mistake so that I never make it again. And that was Saturday. So it came, it went and I have a blister to show for it. So my goodness, (laughs) that is, yeah, that is, that is a thing that happens. Um, I was in the city Saturday as well, but we weren't um, together because Rob and I took Stella to get groomed because as a long haired cat, she has mats all over her body and it's very painful for her. It's like these crazy knots that she gets. Um, so that was a nightmare and a half taking her down to the city. I asked Rob, so we were on the West side and I asked Rob if we could go over to my old neighborhood, which is the Upper East side about 65th and first, just to see what was going on. Cause we, we first started dating when I lived in the city. And so our first date was at a place, um, called Flanagan's or Flan- I don't know, Rob would kill me. Well, we call it Flanny Flans. So I don't remember what the name was, but it closed down. And then our second date was at a place around the corner from my old apartment called Fatty Fish. And it changed into an Irish bar and restaurant. So we ended up having lunch there and it was really cute. It was like outside, there was all these gr- like greenery. Everyone there had an Irish accent, which I really enjoyed. It felt like a little vacation. And yes. 
since Rob didn't get to actually celebrate St. Patty's Day, he was like living La Vida St. Patty's Day. He was like, I'll have a Guinness. I'll have a Jameson shot. I'm like, like we're having lunch. <laughs> like, this is not. So yeah, that, that happened. Um, but yeah, overall, yeah, it was a really beautiful day to be out um, in the city. And twice in one week for me, it was a major, probably more than I've been there in the last year. I have to say, I think my favorite part of my Saturday celebration was when I was out to dinner and I get a text from you and you're like, Hey, I have something to ask you, but just like, let me know when you get home, I'll send it to you then. And I'm like, wait, like, just send it to me now. Like, what do you mean? Like, and she's like, I don't want to bother you. And I'm like, just hit me with the question. I know I'm so awkward. I don't know like what my problem is. I I honestly, like, I didn't want to bother you while you were at your birthday dinner. Oh my God. Well, it's going to make everybody laugh when I tell you what the question was, because <laughs> like a question like that could ever bother me. But Amanda invited me to her bachelorette party. And I was like, what? And she's like, but like only if you want to, I'm like, what do you mean? Only if I want to, like, of course I want to, but it was really great. And I was like, this is the best thing ever. And you were like, I just really want you there. And I'm like, I would die to be there. Like, yeah, I, yeah, I, it's just like a weird ask because I feel like, you know, it's a toss up. Like some people are like, yeah, bachelor parties are really fun. Other people are like, oh, like there's so much money. Like, I don't want to do it. So like, I just kind of wanted to like, be, leave it open ended. And yeah, I, I'm so glad that you agreed to come. I think just having you there is going to be so great. You know, one of the things that we've talked about is just like a lot of my friends don't have chronic illness. Um, one of my friends does have MS and I just feel comfortable now in this stage of my life of having other people who understand around me and all my friends are great and they, and they totally get it. And I know it's going to be amazing. And I just, I'm like really excited. Um, but for some reason, I just feel a little bit more comfortable having you there. Cause I feel like you can kind of grab me and take me like out of the equation <laughs> if I like need to. And, you know, having somebody else that doesn't drink alcohol is always, is always good. Um, just because there's like, I'm always very self-conscious about not drinking because I was such a big drinker for such a long time. Yeah. Um, and now being sober for a year, it it's still, I, I haven't been out because it's been COVID. So now it's like, I have to go places and do things like these events for my wedding, like my shower and my bachelorette. And I'm like, am I somebody that drinks or am I somebody that doesn't drink? Like, I, I don't, I don't know how to kind of navigate that. So just, I think for me, like having someone like you, who I've gotten so close, close with who gets it, like would just be so helpful to me. So I'm, I'm really grateful that you agreed to come. I think it'll be really fun. My freaking honor. It's like, and it's interesting. You kind of talk about that because I feel like that chapter of figuring out your boundaries when it comes to like drinking and not drinking and your comfortability around other people, especially your close friends who, you yeah. know, that's such a big part of their life and family too, with you being like yeah. Italian and oh yeah. Wine is like, but yeah, it's it, my parents still don't, don't get it. Like my mom will be like, she just asked me the other day if I was planning on having a glass of champagne at my wedding. And I'm like, I don't, I have not gotten that far. It's in October. Like my brain has not gotten that far, but I don't know because instead of cutting back on drinking, I stopped drinking altogether. And it's because when I, if I, I don't have like an off button with drinking. And so like, to me, it's, it's kind of an all or nothing situation. Like I'm 
going to either like black out or I'm not going to drink. And it's bad. Like, I mean, I can have a couple glasses of wine, but I started noticing that when I did, I would either keep going or I would not sleep. And I was like, I'm just better off not doing it at all. So like one is just not, it's not going to work. Right. It's like, what's the point? Like, honestly, and if it doesn't make you feel good, especially on your wedding day, why would you take that risk? And yeah, little pro tip, um, which actually my friend Jenny, who got married a couple years ago, this was like one of the moments that I feel like totally changed my life and my thought process around being Mm -hmm. in a bachelorette setting, like with a bachelorette party, my friend Jenny's like, Hey, so we actually want to keep something at the bar that you can drink. So you can be a part of the toast. Would you prefer kombucha or Topo Chico? And I was like, Oh my God. Like those are, that's one of those moments that just makes me start crying because yeah, when somebody thinks about you in that regard, it's like, wow, you know, you're just so much, you're very aware of like your friend and their feelings and, and yeah, knowing that I would want to be a part of like a little like toast or something. And yeah, of course, of course. Cause you want to be a part of the fun and, and I noticed about like myself, like I am way more fun sober. Like I am weird AF. I am loud. Like I don't need to drink when I drink, I become a bad version of myself. So I'm better off not drinking, but I think it's the uncertainty of, I, in my experience with bachelorettes, I've only been to other people's bachelorettes. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of like, oh, okay, like what, what do I expect? Like, do I act like everyone else? Like, it's just, and that's just my general struggle in life. <laughs> it's like my yeah. crisis of, you know, who I was versus who I am um, now. So it's just, it's just interesting, but yeah. yeah. I'm excited to like explore how you want to go into yours though. Cause it's like, yeah setting kind of a precedent of the vibe and yeah like, totally you know sweatshirts like we'll see you know we'll see like is it gonna be <laughs> yeah <comfy? laughs> yeah I I you know my my two um best friends are my two maids of honor and I just like trust them it, like so much they're planning it and I think it's gonna be great they both know me inside and out and so I think it's gonna be perfect and the only thing I told them was I don't want penises like on me around me I don't want penis apparel I, I don't want it and like just like I, I don't want any of that stuff and I just said can we please chill by a pool relax because <laughs> I think that's what we all need when it comes to the, this pandemic like yeah I haven't been around any of my girlfriends or just a group of girls where we could just like sit around a pool and just hang, like just talk, just like, talk and like, yeah, be around more than like two people at one time. Like, whoa. Yeah. No, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And I know something I want to ask you about was how yeah. the full moon affected you recently. Cause that oh was this past weekend. And I feel like all of us were just everything was kind of upside down in a lot of ways. And, and I wanted to hear your experience and how that was affecting your Lyme disease and any of your other flares that you've been dealing with this week. Totally. So, so here's something really interesting that I learned and I, and I don't remember if I have told, told you this or not. Um, but this full moon in March was called the worm moon. And the reason why the farmers named it the worm moon is because it used to mark the time, you know, in the harvests and things like that, where all of the worms would come 
out of the ground. And so, you know, springtime, everything's sort of moving. And how I sort of relate this to Lyme and parasites and bacteria is that those things around the full moon are sort of thriving anyway, which is why a lot of people with Lyme, they, some of them, like if their practitioner is really, really in tune, they'll only test them for Lyme around the full moon when it's really active. A lot of people that have Lyme or parasites or co-infections of Lyme get flares and really sick around the full moon. And this one, especially because it was, it was bringing everything out. So I, I really struggled with it, especially because my menstrual cycle starts around the full moon in general. And that is also when I flare. So both of those things connected, it just really took me down for the count. And, and so many people that I spoke to were also flaring and suffering. Um, I was dealing with a lot of pain and um, migraines, um, insomnia, depersonalization, which, you know, we'll talk about a little bit more as we sort of dive into Lyme. Um, it's a pretty awful symptom where you actually feel stoned and, and outside of your body. I don't know. I haven't entirely come out of uh, come out of the flare yet, but I, I can see it starting to get better. But yeah, it's, it's, it's been a rough, I would say week with, with all of that coming together. And I think that that kind of leads us into our discussion online, because this is something that you and I have wanted to cover for a really long time. And, and I know that you have a lot of questions about it and I have been dealing with it and learning more and more about what's going on with my body. And so I, I'm just happy to talk about it. And I, I think we should just dive right in. And, and if you want to, you know, ask me anything or, you know, how, how you want to do it. Yeah. I'm really, really excited to cover Lyme disease today because it is a whole world. I really want to learn as much as I can about because it's so confusing. There are so many different platforms and resources and information things. And it's like, I have so many people that ask me questions about it that I'm like, I don't fully understand how to get better from point A to like point B and the steps you take, the right tests you take, how it's affecting the body. Does it ever go away? What else does it affect? How does it get activated? Like there's so many things. Yeah. Yeah. I know I figured we would start with just your experience with Lyme when it started, your theories about what bit you and yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so here, so here's the thing about, about Lyme. So if you've seen any of the, the stuff online or you're following anybody in the, in the Lyme community, which is a really large and really, you know, impactful, I would say community advocating for Lyme because you hear about Lyme disease with animals and dogs and cats and all this stuff, but there's no, nobody's talking about it with people and people are getting it. And so the thing about ticks is that they're really, really, really tiny. Like they could be the size of a poppy seed. And all of the research that's been done has been done about, about Lyme disease, not about the co-infections, which we'll get into, but has primarily been done on ticks. The problem is, is that other bugs transmit some of these diseases, such as Lyme, such as Babesia, which is a malaria type disease um, that's a co-infection. And uh, Bartonella is another is another big one. And you can get all of them, get the whole shebang from one bite. Could be a spider, it could be a mosquito, but there hasn't been any research done on it because they just didn't want to spend the money. 
I grew up in an area where there are ticks. I did not grow up being taught to look for ticks or to take ticks off of me. So I often tell people that I don't know when I got bit. And if I had gotten bit at any point, I would not have noticed. Like I wouldn't have known that it was a tick. I would have thought maybe it was a spider. I remember the first time I saw one online, I was like, uh, oh, that's what it looks like. I wouldn't have registered that. So for me, I, I don't know when I was bit. I Lyme can lay dormant for a really long time. You can actually get bit as a child and be fine for years and years and years. And then you have an experience where you live in a moldy environment or you go through a physical trauma or an emotional trauma and it activates. And all of a sudden you're really, really sick and you don't get better. And that's the struggle because it's really hard to then pinpoint when you were bit because not everybody gets a bullseye rash, which is the kind of the telltale for doctors. They're like, well, did you have a bullseye rash? Like it, it, it doesn't matter. Like not everybody gets it. People with different skin colors may not notice it as much as other people. So there's a lot of issues with, with the whole system. Um, I do have some theories. I, I said for a while, I, uh, Rob and I had gone to Italy for my 30th birthday a few years ago, and we were walking around Sicily and we ended up in this botanical garden. It was so beautiful and awesome, but we got bit up like head to toe and I had bites all over me. And when I got home from Italy, I, that was sort of what marked me just never getting better. I was already dealing with chronic pain at that point, but I just never, never got better after that. And so I kind of would be like, oh, like maybe I got bit by an Italian mosquito. Like, I, I don't know. Um, or a tick at that point. Like, I, I don't have any idea. There were other times in my life where I was in Colorado. I, I by myself, I was just walking around the, <laughs> the Rockies and flip-flops, like, you know, never paying attention to these things. So it could have been anything. I will say that for me, it has never come up in blood work for me. So the normal blood testing for Lyme is not accurate. There are some really deep detailed tests, but it doesn't always come up and it doesn't always come up because it lives in the tissue sometimes of our bodies. So it does, it's not in the blood always. And so, so yeah. So anyway, so for me, I was diagnosed clinically with Lyme about two years ago, uh, by a Lyme literate doctor who I saw in, in New York. And he said that I had the clinical manifestation of it end end of the co-infections. And then I had gone to a friend of mine, uh, Brooke, and she did what's called a bioscan. You kind of put your hand on this machine and the, it tests your frequencies, like kind of like muscle testing okay. and it picks up on things. And for me, all of the line, all Lyme came up every single, um, every single bacteria strain came up. Cause there's a lot of different strains and Babesia was the largest one for me, which is like I said, malaria. It's also very, it's, it's sort of like a parasite. So it often shows up, it shows up kind of like a parasite. Okay. So, so yeah. quickly explain like how co-infections do co-infections happen mm -hmm. because you have Lyme or like, is it a side effect of Lyme? Cause that's something I've never understood. Yeah. So, so when you get bit by whatever it is that bites you, 
they transmit a bunch of different infections, not just Lyme disease. So Lyme disease itself is, is its own uh, bacteria. You also get these other infections that, that the bug transmits to you. The, there's a ton of them and the tests like don't even test for all of them. Like for example, a really big one is Bartonella. A lot of people get Bartonella. It's also called cat scratch disease. Some people can get it from literally being scratched by a cat that's infected by it. And Bartonella has, I think somewhere in the thirties of different strains and the tests only test for one of them. It's just like something like that, like really crazy. And so you can get all these different things, but you're never getting tested for them. And so for me, I, I did not have Bartonella. I had Babesia, um, which is what sort of made me think that maybe it was a mosquito um, because that's sort of like malaria and all of the different co-infections and the Lyme bacterias, they actually show up differently in different people. And an extra layer of it to just get even more complicated is there are certain people, the same with mold that can be in an environment or get bit by a tick. Like Rob and I both went to Sicily. We could have been bit by the same mosquito, but he didn't get sick. And I did because for some reason, whether I have other things already going on, I couldn't get it out of my body. Right. So then I end up sick. So, so anyway, you get bit by one bug, you get all, you get this like whole thing of different, um, infections and some of them are harder to get out than others. And it depends on where the infections go in your body. Bartonella, um, I know is really big with, um, you know, having pain there's, um, heel pain specifically that comes with Bartonella and some of the symptoms do overlap, of course, like brain fog, things of that nature, but Bezia, one of the things is, uh, these night sweats. So people that kind of break out in these sweats during the night, that's how you can kind of tell because it is very much like, like malaria. Um, and then there's relapsing fever, there's uh, Rocky Mountain spotted fever, there's just all different kinds of things. And they show up in different ways. So a lot of people live for such a long time having Lyme and co infections, and they just never ever get diagnosed and they just suffer for years. And the longer that you have it without any treatment, the more parts of your body that it goes into. And so it starts to live in scar tissue your organs, and it starts to just completely degenerate your entire body. My question is like, if a doctor, if yeah. a Western doctor thinks to test you for Lyme disease, yep. wonders if you have it, yep. knows the right test to do it, finds out you have it, what's kind of the Western medical treatment that people would get if they were yeah. able to discover it in a normal doctor's sure. office. Sure. Um, you'd probably have to, first of all, get bit right away and get Lyme and get tested like immediately in order for it to come up. Um, I, in regular Western testing, like I had been tested several times with regular tests and what they believe these regular Western doctors who are not Lyme literate doctors there's a, there's two schools of thought. One is they don't believe that it's a real thing. They definitely don't believe chronic Lyme is a real thing. Like that is woo woo. That's like nonsense. They do understand that Lyme disease is, exists. If you get the bullseye. Okay. What they do is they give you around or several of antibiotics and 
it's the same with some LLMDs. So some Lyme literate doctors will give you antibiotics over and over and over again. They change the antibiotics and you go on these like courses of antibiotics and some people get better. Most people get sicker because as you know, being on antibiotics that long wrecks your intestinal system. I know people that were on antibiotics for a year. Could you, could you imagine what happens to your gut? No, no. Like for people that don't understand that antibiotics kill off both good and bad bacteria in our Mm -hmm. digestive system. So when we don't have the good, our, our body can't digest properly. Like in general, like things Uh are just not going to be right with your immune system because like everything's just off balance. And so you have to, I will recommend that people when taking antibiotics will also Mm -hmm. take a probiotic and prebiotics to feed the probiotics throughout their treatment with antibiotics. But when you're on it for a whole year, like it's real hard to come back from that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you end up getting things like SIBO, um, which is small intestinal um, bacterial overgrowth there. There is just so many things that happen and that's what happened to me. So my LLMD, who I was, who was supposed to know, you know, everything and, and help me and be this person that really understood Lyme, um, had put me on about three rounds of antibiotics, not just one, but two at the same time. So I was taking one for malaria, which is for the, for the Babesia and one for just Lyme, which is doxycycline. And most people that get diagnosed with Lyme start out with doxy. It's like almost like we were saying rite of passage with the city is like going on antibiotics. Like mostly everybody has done it at least once if they have Lyme disease. Mm -hmm. And I, because I have a weak stomach already, I was so sick to the point where I was just throwing up nonstop. Like I could not keep anything down. I remember going to dinner with my girlfriends and my friend, you know, had picked me up and was driving me. Like I couldn't drive because I was just like so messed up. I couldn't even drive a vehicle. Like I was scared to drive for a long time because I was seeing double, like all this stuff. And I had, it was maybe like a 10 minute drive. She had to pull over twice. Cause I was like throwing up. I had to have my dad come who lived near the restaurant, come pick me up and drive me home. The reason you might've been dealing with like nausea or like the dizziness is because when the antibiotics kill off the good and bad bacteria, a bad bacteria that technically is supposed to be protecting you, um, called candida can, yeah. is like a kind of yeast. And that can thrive, especially like in our mucosal linings and mm-hmm. an excess of candida bacteria can cause total equilibrium, like off balance. Like when I was dealing with candida overgrowth, I could, I kept falling when I was walking down the stairs. Like I, yeah would fall all the time and just in general feel like spacey. And yeah, it's just, it's unfortunate because like our body needs that good bacteria so that the bad bacteria can't thrive and overtake your whole body. Yeah. And, and it took me, well, what ended up happening was that I ended up going to my doctor and said, Hey, I I've been getting really sick. And he was like, well, I guess you want to be on a different antibiotic. And I was like, no, I don't want to be on any antibiotics. Like this is bullshit. Mm -hmm. And so I canceled that doctor. Like (laughs) I was just like, I'm done here. Um, and then I, when I was started to go to other practitioners, they'd be like, you have leaky gut, but I, I didn't have leaky gut. I just had a really bad gut dysbiosis, which is just like when your gut is, I just wasn't like digesting anything. 
Um, and it took me a really long time to heal my gut and I, I did it myself and it, and it took probably about six to eight months to, to finally get to a good place with it. And, you know, I had to, for, for my Lyme, you know, so when I stopped going to my doctor, now I'm alone and I'm in this by myself and now I have to treat myself and I have to figure this out because I want to feel better, but I'm not. I was not going to spend another 2000 or whatever it was going to be for another doctor because they're so expensive. They're out of network and they were going to tell me the same thing. Right. So I ended up taking the situation into my own hands and I changed my diet completely. I went totally vegan, um, plant-based and started removing things like sugar and oil, um, you know, kind of a low fat diet. And a lot of people do well with, with paleo sort of, and, and AIP diets. But for me, it was plant-based because I felt I had this kind of thing going on in my head where I was like, I'm feeding the bacteria and they're just like, why would they leave? They're having the best time ever. They're getting all this, all these goodies and all this stuff. So I really went super, super clean with my diet. And then I read this book by Dr. Rawls um, called Unlocking Lyme, and he's a doctor who had Lyme um, and very, very similar to me, was diagnosed with fibromyalgia first, ended up with Lyme arthritis. And, and just to kind of, you know, kind of explain my whole situation, my Lyme infection and my co-infections got into my SI joint and because they got into my SI joint caused my autoimmune, which is ankylosing spondylitis. Um, and so that's why I now am on biologics and I've ended up with this other issue, all these health issues. And that's what happens to a lot of people. Um, and because it was already compromised because I had had a surgery. And so I know that a lot of the bacteria like lives in that area. So anyway, I read Dr. Rawls's book, Unlocking Lyme, and I followed step-by-step his herbal protocol. And it's a really good book because it explains all the different antibiotics. It explains everything to you, but I took, I went and bought, I went on to Vitacost and Fullscript and I bought every single thing that he had and I did it and I'm still doing it to this day. And I finally started to feel better. And then I started to detox really heavily. So I started doing coffee enemas. So juicing and coffee enemas and binders and started taking things like um, glutathione, which was helping to get the stuff out of my body. And then I started wearing glutathione patches because since glutathione detoxes and moves things out of your body, and I knew that the bacteria was in my tissue where I would have sore spots and pain, I would stick a patch. Mm. And so I have been on doing this for probably a year, maybe a little bit over. And I do feel like my Lyme has gone into remission. I occasionally get symptoms from my Lyme, but now I'm dealing with my arthritis. And that's like the, the kind of secondary thing that I now have to deal with because I had Lyme and it went undiagnosed for however long. Um, and, and it's a really, it's just a really hard process for people to go to. And I, I feel very lucky that I had the knowledge of nutrition and herbs myself to be able to do this, you know, and, and have that book obviously to rely on, but then also adding things of my own and making, started making my own supplements and doing all this stuff. I can't imagine being somebody who doesn't have that background and how they would handle 
this. Like you have to go to a practitioner that understands so they can help you. Yeah. I mean, the unfortunate thing is that Lyme is such a huge root cause for mm-hmm. chronic illness yeah. and it can go undiagnosed for very long because there aren't a lot of doctors that understand that it should be one of the first things you check for. And then when they do and you find out what it is, it's so expensive because oh my God, Western so medicine doesn't believe that it should be covered under insurance. There isn't mm-hmm. a medication that can cure you of it. Yeah. Um, and it comes down to taking herbals, taking mm-hmm. like all of these supplements that yep. kill it off and then making sure your body can properly detoxify to get it out and that you're doing all the supportive things like sweating every day and mm-hmm. dry brushing and, and taking enough glutathione so your liver yeah. is strong enough and doing coffee enemas. And it's it's a full-time job getting it is. Of Lyme disease. And- yeah. And sometimes it doesn't go away. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the other thing is like it, it goes into remission. It could go dormant again. It could pop up again later. Like it's it's very stressful and it does become a full-time job. And, and so I had heard somewhere once that, that Lyme is not a poor man's disease and, and it's not like it's, it's almost glamorous in this really disgusting way, because it's like, I just remember calling this doctor in the city and everybody was recommending me to her. And this was after I had gone to my doctor that was like 500 and had that bad experience with the antibiotics. And she was like, yeah, like a consultation, is it like a half hour consultation was 900 and then an actual appointment, which of course they want you to do is two grand. And I'm like, what? And, and I can't even tell you how much I still spend on supplements and, and herbs every single month. Like it's, it's insane. And you know, what are you, you know, bartering with, you know, like you and I talk about this a lot, like you do what's necessary to feel better no matter what it costs, you're just like, I want to feel better. But then it becomes this thing where suddenly every single month I'm spending $600 on herbs and supplements. And like, when does it stop? Is this the rest of your life? Like it's really hard. So that's my question for you is, yeah. can, do you ever fully detox Lyme? Because for me with Epstein-Barr virus, mm-hmm. that's something that I was actually able to get rid of. Yeah. And I've, I had always been under the impression that like it stays in you dormant forever. Yeah. Um, but with my naturopath, I was able to, to get fully rid get rid of it. Yeah. So with Lyme, is that a possibility? And for somebody that might've been diagnosed Lyme when they were yeah. younger, like as a kid, does that ever fully go away? Are you cured or like, I guess, yeah. What is the possibility, possible right. outcome of there being a cure or right. yeah. What does that look like? I think, I think it depends on when you caught it and you specifically as a person. So, you know, somebody like me who ended up with AS now, I now have to deal with that for the rest of my life. It manifests differently in different people. So if you get it soon enough and you have a doctor that treats you right away, then you have the opportunity to potentially be rid of it forever. There are people that heal from it and there are just a lot of different factors um, and a lot of different, I think, schools of thought on it. Um, And some people will say, I don't have Lyme anymore. Other people will say it went into remission. Um, And so I just think it really depends on the person and how, how far the disease has progressed. And I think that that's something that people need to figure out. And then also there's so many different 
treatment routes. You know, people do ozone therapy. Some people find that their Lyme bacteria is living um, in their molars and they have the, or cavitations in their, in their mouths and people get their, um, get their teeth removed. Like it is insane. And, you know, there's bee venom therapy, which we're going to talk about with, with Brit. So I don't, you know, want to go too much into that, or you have an herbal approach and everybody is so different. Um, so I think it really depends on, on the person to be honest, which is not a clear answer, but Lyme is not clear. Like you could take two people and they could both have Lyme and have completely different issues and symptoms. And, you know, just, just another thing as we sort of talk about detoxing and, and getting it out of your body, you know, Herxheimer reaction is something that happens from detoxing and it often happens detoxing too fast. And, and this happened to me. And so when it can happen from being in a sauna, you know, for too long. So like one of the things for people, and it's very similar to mold is that you don't want to be in there for too long, um, because you can kind of make everything actually aggravated. Or if you start a detox protocol and all of a sudden you feel so much worse, you're probably having a Herxheimer reaction was, which is just an influx of all of your symptoms as it's kind of what we call like this really large die off of the bacteria. Mm -hmm. And the biggest thing that I recommend for people who have that is, is taking glutathione L glutathione is, is the supplement taking that twice a day and binders and detoxing, like take your activated charcoal or your Benonite clay, make sure that you're gripping it and getting it out because you, your body becomes toxic as you start to sweat you start to do these things and you're, you're, waking them up so you can get the, so you can kill them, you mm -hmm. know, but in order to you kill them, you got to bind them and get rid of them. Mm -hmm. And something too, that I remember learning very quickly when I started going to an infrared sauna for, uh, sweating and detoxing after mold is that you pretty much have to shower like immediately after you sweat that much because mm -hmm. those toxins lay on the surface of your skin. And if they stay there long enough, they get reabsorbed back into your body. So yeah. like Ugh. immediately shower, get that off of you, you know, like doing everything you can to just support your body to flush and flush and flush. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so true. And, and, you know, other than that, I, I would say that healing Lyme or getting through Lyme is not a linear process. It's not a linear process with mold. It's not a linear process with autoimmune. You can be really good for years of your life. Like you said, somebody getting bit as a child and they say it's out of their body, but it could be dormant. And then something happens and wakes it up, um, which is very similar to the way that EBV is, right? Um, Epstein-Barr, like you could have mono in high school and then all of a sudden you're an adult and you go get a surgery and you come back from your surgery and it's a physical trauma because you're opening your body up and, and it is, you know, whether you take it that way or not, you all of a sudden sick and you never get better. So that's the way that I look at Lyme is like, you can wake it up and any, any day or any trigger can, can get it kind of going again. And the best thing that you can do 
besides all the things we already named and talked about is making sure that you have a community and support of people that understand. There are so many people within the Lyme community and the chronic illness community who are going through it. And that has been helpful to me having people be like, oh yeah, I have that symptom too. Even, even this week, you know, I, I try to be an advocate and be a leader and in, in the community and, and teach people and, and support people. But sometimes I need support too. And when I was going through the full moon this week, having people say to me, I'm going through it too. I was like, oh, okay. I'm not alone in this. Like you don't want other people to suffer, but you, it, it feels like you're less alone. And, and because it's an invisible illness and people can't see it, they, you feel crazy. They're like, mm-hmm. maybe I am, I, you know, it's not coming up in blood work. I'm an insane person having the validation from other people within that community is huge. So I highly recommend if you do have Lyme to, you know, start reaching out to people, reach out to me, um, you know, follow me, reach out to me. I can connect you with other people who have it and, you know, answer any questions that you might have, because I think with doctors not being educated on this, a lot of us have had to educate ourselves and become, not only our own practitioners, but because I'm a a practitioner and nutritionist, I sort of started to focus on that. And so, you know, on chronic illness in general. So, so I just think, you know, reaching out to people that have it and understand is just will be really helpful to anyone that is starting their journey or, or wherever you are along the, along the way. Yeah. And for somebody who might be starting their journey or who is suspecting that Lyme might be an issue, what are your main recommendations of like doctors to seek out and test to try to make sure that they can get a diagnosis? Yeah. I think finding a Lyme literate MD is really important. Um, My experience with my LLMD is not typical. Usually a Lyme literate doctor, although they may be expensive, usually know the ins and outs and they can put you on the right treatment. And I would say that the number one thing with Lyme and getting a diagnosis is continuing to advocate for yourself and fighting for yourself because I could have taken my fibromyalgia diagnosis and I could have said, okay, I have fibro, I'm getting put on antidepressants, let's call it a day. But I didn't, I said, there's something else wrong. This doesn't sit well, this isn't right. I feel like something else is going on. And I pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed until I got a diagnosis and then had to do it again when I started having the arthritis issues. And so advocating for yourself, don't be gaslit by doctors. Don't let them make you feel crazy. You're not crazy. You understand your body more than anybody. And if you can't find an LLMD or you can't afford an LLMD, find a naturopath that specializes in Lyme, find a holistic nutritionist or clinical nutritionist or a functional nutritionist that specializes in Lyme. If you are looking for those people or books or anything like that, reach out to me and I will recommend somebody or I will connect you with somebody or I will give you suggestions because that first part, the first chapter of figuring it out is really overwhelming and really difficult. And and so there are a lot of resources that people that have gone through it have created so that other people don't have to suffer through it like like most of us have done. Yeah, and I'm I'm thankful that I think as the years go on and this becomes more 
normal, you know, more well-known in the holistic and naturopathic community. And like, there are so many different methods of treatment too, which I think is why we're excited to hear from Brittany today about her path with Lyme and how she has discovered what's helping her the most. But yeah, I mean, you have to listen to what your body is telling you. And if you're continuing to think that there is something off you can't stop until you figure it out. And you, you mm-hmm. have to reach out to the people in the community that have been through it before, because we've had the trial and error. We've made the mistakes yeah. like, and it will save you a lot of time and effort and stress just to hear from people and to not feel scared to reach out, to ask for help because you're not crazy. Like yeah. we've yeah. all and been you through can, it. And you can feel like you are like, you really, like I had a lot of moments um, where I was like, is this real? Like I I am a very factual, logical person. So to not have it on a piece of paper with blood work was very, very difficult for me to understand and wrap my head around. And it wasn't until I had done the bioscan and saw it, which the girl who was doing it with me, my friend was like, this isn't a diagnosis, but this is what's coming up in your body. That was my validation. Mm -hmm. I didn't need, I, I just wanted to know that I wasn't insane. Um, and if anybody's interested in doing that, I'm, I'm happy to suggest a friend who does that as well. But yeah, there's, there's a lot of different treatments. A lot of people fail through treatments and, and everybody is different. So sort of working through all those things and, and Lyme is usually not alone. It is either with co-infections, autoimmune, it sort of becomes autoimmune at some point. It comes with mold and MCAS, um, which we will do an episode on eventually, which is mast cell activation syndrome your entire body goes into fight or flight. And there's just so many things that you have to start calming down your nervous system. But Brittany Elliott, who we're interviewing and we're really excited is um, she has had Lyme for several years and has gone through all kinds of treatments. And she actually started doing something called bee venom therapy, which is a two to three year protocol that involves stinging herself with live bees, um, which is something that I've never felt brave enough to do, to be honest. Um, But I commend these people and and women who do it. It's it's absolutely fascinating to watch and and understand. So I'm, I'm excited to learn more. And she never envisioned that this is what her life would be, um, but she actually has found purpose and meaning behind all of the struggles that she's gone through. And so we're going to talk to her now, and we're going to get to ask her about bee venom therapy and and her experience. So, so I'm really excited to get started with that. I'm so excited to have you here because I feel like honestly I'm fangirling like a little bit because oh shut up no. <laughs> stop it. <laughs> You were one of of the first people that I started following on TikTok last year during quarantine because I like didn't know what I was doing on TikTok. I had no idea. And I thought it was all just like dancing and like, I don't even know. But then I like saw you with beef and I'm therapy and I was like, what? Like, I've never heard of this before. You were the first person and I'm sure you get that a lot that you're the first person that like people find that does this to treat Lyme. And so ever since then, I've just been like, obsessed with you. And I, I'm just so excited to dive in and like talk to you and hear about your story and your journey. And I know we kind of started wanting to hear a little bit about how you got started with BVM therapy and when you first discovered Lyme. And we actually talked a little bit in our episode about 
just how difficult it is to get like diagnosed and then find the right treatment. So I'd love to hear your experience with that. Awesome. First of all, it's a mutual obsession. So let's start there. (laughs) Um, Do you have 48 hours to talk about the finding of Lyme disease and then on top of it, the treatment? Um, Uh, I'll try to keep it like, I'll try to do a little short snippet of it, but um, essentially, so I'm, I'm from Southern California, I kind of hopped around from like San Diego, Orange County, a little bit of LA. And honestly, like growing up and everything, I was really outgoing, super active, involved in every organization from sorority to like ambassador, like just, I was just like doing it all. If you guys are into Enneagrams, I'm an Enneagram three. I'm an overachiever. I just yeah, like same do- here. We all <laughs> yeah. yeah. yes. I love yes. this. Overachievers power. somehow are the people that get sick because oh. we are like perfection. Go, go, go. Yeah. Don't stop. And yeah. here we are sitting on your podcast as someone with a chronic illness, like healthy people don't even make podcasts. So too, like amazing for you. I love this. Yeah. <laughs> love this for us. Um, so yeah, so obviously like super active. And then, um, I had just graduated college and was living in a beach house in ocean beach in San Diego. And y'all like there was black mold everywhere. And I was in college. Like I was, compl- I had benign health issues before this, but like I was pretty healthy And I had no idea the impact that mold can have on someone's body and somebody's health. And like, I remember my mom making a comment, like comment on it, being like, Brit, like there's a lot of mold in that house. I'm like, oh, it's fine. I'm like in my party days, living it up, still going out wasted. I'm like, I don't care. I'll just bleach it off the walls. It's fine. Well, (laughs) yeah, funny, all all fun and games, right? Until um, a few months into living there, I just overnight, you guys started experiencing crazy symptoms hallucinations I was having I remember having lucid dreams and I will never forget the one lucid dream that I had about this man like coming into my house but oh my that's God. a whole other story that's but not, like not like a sexy dream like a scary dream <laughs> oh it wasn't Christian Gray yeah it wasn't Christian Gray <laughs> 50 yeah. shades was yeah. not 50 shades. Okay. Yes. So it wasn't a hot man who came in it and like was seduced not a hot you. Man. Yeah. No, he had a knife. It was really scary. Okay. Oh God. Yeah. Oh so, and then, God. yeah, just started having like, honestly, like suicidal thoughts and depression and feeling so out of body and like seeing floaters and everything. And I was like, holy crap, like something's wrong. Like I need to go to the doctor's ASAP. Of course, what do you do in that situation? I called my mom right away. I was like, come down. Yeah. I'm not well, uh, yeah. forever unwell. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so she like came, got me, like went to the doctor. Um, actually went to like to the ER multiple times and it was just kind of like the same thing over and over, over a couple of months of like, I'm just getting all these crazy episodes and not feeling well. Mm-hmm. Um, had no idea it was mold at the time. So let's preface that. Right. Um, went on with my life. All these doctors were like, you're fine. You're healthy. All of your labs are coming back. Good. Your heart looks good. Your brain looks good. And I'm like, I'm not fucking good. Like I just went yeah. from being this crazy fun person to like a shell of a human who has zero yeah. personality. Like, oh, like obviously yeah. something was wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Which they yeah. never, I mean, the, the ridiculous thing about them also just finding the blood work, right. Is they're like telling you you're fine. And mm-hmm. then you start to be like, well, maybe I'm insane. Yeah. Am I a crazy person? And you know that you're not, but they oh, make you feel absolutely. that way. But Amanda, like, that's what happened. So like, yeah, I got to the point where I was like, okay, well maybe it is all in my head. Maybe like, I just need to work out more. Although I was like very active. And so I went like a few years, like during this time I had moved out of that house. I was um, going to grad school in Long Beach. Um, I have no idea how I did it. Now looking back, I was just pushing through, but I had that feeling in my head, like maybe I am crazy. Like I just got to push through. Everything's normal. Everything's fine. And then I hit a wall where I was like, okay, something's not right. started seeing functional doctors, functional and like holistic and paying out of pocket, right? For all these specialists. 
still never had like a true answer. Like I was always told like I was nutrient deficient. I was like on the verge of like, like having celiac. I was insulin resistant, like a bunch of like little things, but nothing picture. So then I just got confused and started taking a whole bunch of supplements and you guys know that route of just, and not feeling better. I was like, I'm spending so much money on this. Yeah. And then honestly, like to keep it short, I went through the entire Google rabbit hole at that point of just like researching for months. I came across an article on mold toxicity. Literally, it was the first thing that I read that I was like, holy shit, like these are my symptoms. This is what I've been dealing with. And I'll never forget that correlation of my mom making the comment about mold and just looking back. um, And I was like, oh my gosh, I have this. So I found a mold specialist in LA went out on the spot. He was like, all of your symptoms are lining up. Um, I did, um, a brain MRI, which showed brain lesions. Um, but the biggest thing that I hated about this was that this mold specialist never brought up Lyme disease. And now knowing what we all know, or people who, you know, Lyme and mold are very much hand in hand. Yeah. It's like the chicken or the egg, like what came first. Um, Yeah. yeah. So he never brought it up. So I went another year. Uh, I was um, treating for mold toxicity. Um, I did like um, cholestramine. Yes. Cholestyramine. I don't know. Finders and all that stuff. And yeah, it's that really intense binder that gets, that gets everything. Yeah. It's done by like the shoemaker, um, the shoemaker doctor, who's like one of the top mold doctors. Yeah. Surviving mold is his book, right? Yes. Yep. Exactly. Um, So (laughs) been been down that rabbit hole. Um, yeah. So treated for that for a year while I was living with my parents in Orange County. Um, and then it got to the point where it's like, shoot, if I have this, like I need to test my parents' house for mold. So I tested it it really did not come back that high. If you guys are familiar, um, Shoemaker recommends for anyone who has chronic inflammatory response syndrome, um, CIRS for short, he recommends being in an ERMI of two or less. My parents was a six, which isn't terrible for living beachside. But at that point I was like, I got to get out. I got to sell my belongings. I got to get rid of it. If y'all are on any of the mold Facebook pages, they are like run, burn, hide. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Live in a tent. Intense, dude. And like, oh my gosh, that's one of the things when people, and I know everyone has to go through their journey on their own, right? But like, I always tell people like, stay away from the mold Facebook pages because they're scary. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Are you going to live in a tent or an RV? Like, what are you going to do? Like, that's my thing. It's people are like, leave. And I'm like, but I I have a lease. Yeah. Like, I don't have an option to just like go live in my car. Like, yeah. So where did you go? So I packed up my shit, was applying for jobs on LinkedIn. I found a job in Colorado. So I was looking between a few states. Texas was definitely like, I, I had this dream of moving to Austin, Texas, but humidity, right? Mold. So I was looking at like states that just had super low mold index scores, which were super dry states. So it was like Colorado and Arizona, um, Nevada, which I wouldn't move to Nevada. But um, yeah, so I got a job in Colorado, moved to Denver, thought that was going to be my thing. Like I really did sell a lot of my stuff, started fresh, started brand new. And I just didn't get that relief that like, I thought I was going to get, like, I thought I was going to like move into this place and just be like a new human. Yep. Um, literally the first week that I got there, I met up with the one girl that I know in Colorado. Um, and she has a lot of friends that she follows. She's very into health and wellness. And she was like, Brit, I follow a lot of people on Instagram. And like, a lot of your stuff kind of sounds like Lyme. Like, have you ever been bit by a tick? And I was like, well, yeah, I have. She's like, have you ever been tested? I was like, no. And then of course that night I pull up Lyme mold and then I see the correlation and long story short, found a Lyme literate medical doctor in Colorado. Um, and 
here I am now, gosh, I've been out there for three years. I've been diagnosed now with Lyme for about two and a half. I was just going to say, you know, what Mel and I were talking about earlier is that, you know, just kind of explaining that Lyme is usually not alone, right? It comes with Mm. the co-infections. It usually comes with mold. It wakes everything up. And I'm just curious, like in your experience, like, did you get blood work with the LLMD? Like, did it come up in blood work or was it a clinical diagnosis? It did just Lyme or some of the co's as well. So Lyme and then also Bartonella. So what's interesting, he did two two tests. So we did the DNA connections and the Igenix test. Um, The Igenix test came up like indeterminate and I'll never forget getting those test results like waiting because at this point I was like, I have it. Like, this is what it is. Finally, it's like the big answer. And I remember getting that test result in a restaurant. I, I was in Nevada for work and I just started crying. I was like, I don't know what this means. And then went back, did the DNA connections. And one of the crazy things, which I think, honestly, everybody should do. Like, I feel like anyone that's testing for Lyme should start treating for Lyme prior to actually getting the test. So he did two tests for the DNA connections. The first one, he was like, we're not going to treat you yet. Um, that one actually came back negative. And then the second one that he did where he started actually treating like for dormant, obviously like it, it brought out the dormant Lyme because mm-hmm. I was herxing. So, um, that one came back positive for yeah, Borrelia and then uh, Bartonella as well. Had you been diagnosed with anything before like mold or Lyme? Cause obviously you had all this stuff going wrong and I'm sure you were seeing mm-hmm. a million doctors and trying to get an answers. And like, did you get misdiagnosed with anything before? Or like originally what were doctors kind of steering you towards? Um, I got the depression one all the time. I think we all do. Um, <laughs> yep. I, in college, like some of the, again, I had some very benign symptoms leading up, but like I had, um, SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. I had that in college. Um, but as far as like during that time, I really didn't, there was really no answers aside from like me going to that functional doctor and him being like, you know, you're, you're on the verge of being celiac, you're nutrient deficient, but there wasn't like a true, I didn't have a true diagnosis prior. It was all these little things like low iron, things like that, but yeah, no, no true diagnosis. Yeah. Cause that's crazy that mold was like the first thing you realized was causing like your root cause, right? Cause yeah. mold was my root cause, but it took five years for me to get there. Like, and yeah. so just starting off with that, like knowing that and kind of working your way through like, okay, so like what else is reacting in my body to this? And then you find out Lyme and then what kind of treatment did you start off with when you first found out about it? Yeah. So I, um, I did a bunch of different, he basically was on kind of like a mix of like Western and modern medicine. Um, Western and Eastern, right. (laughs) Was it antibiotics? Yeah. So it was a mix. Um, there wasn't a lot of antibiotics, but he definitely like threw some in there. Like obviously doxy was the first one to be prescribed. Always. Um, Always. I'm like, bitch in the trash. Yeah. So I did like antibiotics and herbs, um, a whole bunch of different like supplements, and it was exhausting. And this is the one thing that I just have a really big problem with, like in the Lyme community is like, and I get it because there's no definite cure. So I get why doctors are going to have different reasonings for putting people on different things, but every doctor has like a completely different protocol and it just drives me crazy. Um, I went to two doctors within like the same umbrella of the doctor's office that I was at. And it was just like, one guy's like, yeah, this is all stemming from Bartonella. And the other guy's like, no, I think it's all mold. And I'm like, y'all are under the same umbrella. How do you have two different like, <laughs> like protocols for me? So I did that for about like eight to nine months. And I just started getting fed up because every month that I would go in there for a checkup, 
it was always like, no, I think you need to be on this or no, I think you need to be on that. It just wasn't really like a consistent regimen. And mm-hmm. at this time I was working and I was traveling a lot for work. And I'm like trying to like, you guys know how to like pull out the tinctures and like pull out the pills and this and that. And like, I'm yeah. so grateful enough to even have a job, but like, it was exhausting to have to think like in between a work meeting or in between, you know, like a, a client visit, like I'm going to have to be taking this tincture and that I'm like, I look crazy. And this is just too much for my brain to handle. Yeah. Um, to bring it, it all with you is hard. Yeah. like, you're like coming onto it. Like if you're going onto a plane and then you like get to the hotel and you're like, ding, ding, like you're putting oh, all your stuff always. out. Yeah. Like I brought a heating pad on travel, like traveling for work before. So, yes. Yeah. My favorite one y'all was a coffee enema. I was flying to Hawaii with my best friend and like the guy like actually stopped me and started opening it. <laughs> and he's like, what is that? I was like, just my enema. It's fine. Yeah. It's You're like, I need to do these to survive. It's totally yeah. fine. It's totally not, not weird. You should, you should try it. It's all about yeah. health and wellness. That's oh, so good. Gosh. Um, yeah. So I did that for like eight to nine months and y'all, I just like wasn't seeing the results. Like it was, and I was spending thousands of dollars living on my own in Colorado. Um, and I just got to the point where I like depleted my entire savings. I felt like I was going crazy because nothing was working. Um, and then that's when I decided to kind of like pull the plug and try be venom therapy. Yeah. How did yeah. you first find out about it? How did I first hear about it? Yeah. Cause I, I, yeah. I feel like when you haven't, it, I mean, obviously you'd heard of it before, but I guess what was your first introduction to it? Yeah. So I just honestly like roaming the Lyme Facebook pages, kept reading about it. I kept reading all these like miracle stories, um, about like people healing through Lyme or through bee venom therapy. Um, and it was something that I was definitely lurking throughout my entire time of doing this like regimen. Um, but I was like, hell to the no, I'll never forget. I was in Arizona for work. Um, and I was with one of my friends and she actually like used to do like beekeeping and she had brought it up to me one time too. And I was like, Kennedy, I would never fucking do that. (laughs) That is insane. Yeah. I was like, that's insane. Like I we're we're like literally raised to fear bees. Like what in the world? I'm going to just voluntarily sting myself. That's insane. So it was a hard no for me for a long time. And then I think once I just started seeing all of these testimonials um, on the Facebook page, and then I added myself to like the bee venom group and then also the cost, like that was a huge one. I was like, this is a no brainer. Like, I'm just going to try it. And like, it felt super right. Like right. beyond right. I kept seeing all these crazy signs of like bees and like my initials are BE and like, I don't know, they're, they're like, that's just one little thing, yeah. but like, but what does it cost by the way? Just, just to yeah. kind of give the comparison. Cause you know, we were talking about how expensive it is to have Lyme and deal with mold mm-hmm. and your supplements, but also these practitioners that are like thousands of dollars. So like yeah. if somebody is interested in doing bee venom therapy, like how much does it cost to, to start that and, and continue? Yeah. yeah. So, um, honestly, it's pretty, like, um, it's pretty stable as far or consistent as far as the cost goes, but it's typically like a hundred dollars max a month, uh, for bees. And of okay. course, like, and then anything that you want to add additionally on top of it, like things that we should be doing is like high dose vitamin C magnesium probiotics, obviously things a lot of people should be doing. Right. Um, so if I would like put a number on all of it included, I would say probably like $200 a month, which, which is nothing in the line world, <laughs> nothing compared yeah. to thousands of dollars. I was spending at those appointments I was going to all the time. So for people who aren't familiar with BBT, walk us through, I guess, kind of like a summary explanation of what it's doing to you and how it's helping you with the Lyme. 
Yeah. So essentially it's the use of stinging uh, yourself with bees um, in order to heal. It's, it's been known to heal a wide or help heal a wide variety of ailments. So obviously Lyme disease, which is what I'm doing it for. Um, it's been shown for MS. I don't know if you guys saw a recent article come out um, about breast cancer, which is a huge one. Um, oh. It's been known to help suppress breast cancer cells as well. There's so much more research that needs to be done on it. This is just like, we're just like dipping our little toes in the water right now with this. Um, but yeah, essentially, uh, the bee venom, it's antibacterial, um, it's anti-inflammatory, um, anti-parasitic, antiviral, and so much more. Um, and essentially it helps basically eradicate the harmful cells from the surface. And from some of the research that I've done on it, what I've read is a lot of times, some different medications. And I think you guys have probably seen this too with Lyme, instead of like actually eradicating it, we'll kind of burrow it. And I think that's why a lot of people go into, they feel good. Right. And then sadly, sometimes we'll relapse. Um, from what I've seen with venom therapy is that it actually fully eradicates, uh, those Lyme cells and Lyme bacteria. So that's the hope. I am just one person going through this. I did not create the treatment. Um, I'm just simply kind of like sharing what my experience is with it, but, um, yeah, it's been, there's a lot of people that are, it's starting to pick up, I think momentum, um, especially, but yeah, there's a lot of hope and a lot of faith with it, but there's been a lot of people that have definitely kind of had a full, a full healing with it, which is exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I I'm curious, um, what you need to do to prepare your body to start doing it and how long do people generally need to do it for before they start seeing, you know, results? Like I know that you've been doing it for two years, right? Yeah. So I'm a year and a half in, so this is like the crazy thing about, so there's like a few different protocols and organizations that are kind of doing deep venom therapy right now. And honestly, everything, I don't want to say everything's up in the air because everything we're kind of based off some of the people who have healed themselves, but this is still such a new treatment and every body, as you guys know, is so different, right? So like what can take me three years might take someone only a year and a half. Um, it just really depends on the bacteria load within the body and how well the venom works. Um, but yeah, so I'm a year and a half in, um, but they do say like the treatment or the protocol that I'm following is a two to three year treatment plan. Um, as far as prepping your body, I think if with anything, it's just knowing like anti-inflammatory diet, um, just making sure that you are like in a healing environment, like mold, right. Just bringing that back around. Yeah. Um, there's a bunch of different like files. So the, the page that I follow is healing Lyme with B venom therapy. It's a Facebook page and it has like the entire protocol within it and files and all of that. But yeah, honestly, like not a ton of prep is needed. Um, there is the heel hive, which is like a whole other organization that like mm-hmm. will like fully prep you. And that's awesome for the people that need it. But honestly, it's not necessary. It's essentially like you doing your treatment protocol versus ours. Right. I think the biggest thing though, is just knowing like histamines and things like that, because the bees will release histamine in the body um, as initial reaction. So that's like an important one and having the EpiPen, like absolutely necessary. But as far as like actually fully healing, like I think if you're already willing to take those steps necessary to heal that you'll be good. Do you recommend somebody finding like a practitioner that can help them throughout the process or do those people even exist? Yeah. So that's the thing is like, they really don't exist. Um, <laughs> there's just not, but one thing that I do recommend. And one thing that I do is I do work with my Lyme literate medical doctor still just to maintain like those normal labs, mm-hmm. right. Like throughout the process, again, absolutely not necessary, but like just to have the peace of mind and to make sure that things are going. Okay. That's just something that I, I recommend to people. It's, it's such a treatment. And I do feel like it's one of the treatments that people go to when they're so desperate and they've tried everything else because yeah. it's not, this is not for the week. Like this is like a very, very brave thing. And 
I think my biggest question, because I've definitely thought about it myself a couple of times, like, where do you get the bees and how do you learn how to do this? Because I think that that's like the biggest hurdle is like, people are like, oh, I want to try it, but how do I start? Absolutely. And this is just to give you guys a little tidbit. This is like my, the dream of mine is like, I want, once this becomes like more of a licensed treatment within the States, like I want there to be shops where people can just go into like acupuncture. Right. And like, that's the future. But for now, um, there are a few, I mean, you can, there are a few different ways to get the bees. Um, there's like three really popular kind of, um, bee suppliers and beekeepers that will just ship directly to you. And honestly, mine just come in a little box every two or three weeks. Um, and then aside from that, you can also get them from like a local beekeeper as well. So that's like a whole nother option to do as well. Um, wow. yeah. So those are, those are kind of like the two options. I think you asked me something else, but my line brain already blanked on it. <laughs> I don't remember um, how, what it was. How do you cool. learn? How do you learn? Oh, how to yeah. Do it, how do you right? learn? Yeah. So, um, through the Facebook page, um, honestly, like uh, the protocol is fully listed out, but one thing that I recommend is connecting with people in the community to learn via that way. Like I remember when I was learning, I had reached out to someone who lived in Boulder, went and watched her. And the second that I watched her, it just like completely eased all of my fears. Like I was so terrified that I saw it and I was like, wait, that's actually kind of beautiful. And like, so calm. Like, I, I don't know why I thought it was going to be this completely hectic experience. Right. And she just like made it so easy. And so like uh, part of her routine. And I was like, oh, shoot, I could do that. Like, that's so easy. But yeah. And then also um, that's one thing that I'm kind of starting to do too, is a little bit more consulting um, because it is such a new, a new therapy. Right. And like, I know a lot of my friends are doing the same. I'm just trying to help like the newbies, like kind of walk them through exactly. Cause it does, if you're doing it completely on your own, it can be definitely a little bit uh, scary. Yeah. And just for like the bee lovers out there, I know something you talk about is like the bees that you get are at the end of their life cycle, right? Yes. Yes. So for like the people, for the haters out there that are like, this is mean, like, you know, the, the bees save the bees. Like, yeah. what, you know, what have you kind of like said? I mean, up? nobody's going to know until they truly know. Like, it's not like yeah. I wake up every day and I'm like, ah, oh, I can't wait to sting myself. I can't wait to like kill bees like absolutely yeah. not um so that's like first and foremost but yeah you hit the nail on the head um the bees that we receive are at the end of their lifespan so they typically they're worker bees they have only two to three weeks left to live and we're being supplied by beekeepers like that's one thing that I don't think people realize is like we are like the people that truly care the most about bees these beekeepers who are doing so much to produce more are the ones supplying it like they wouldn't be supplying them to us if they thought that this was like unethical by all means and yeah and so they only have around two to three weeks left to live I yeah I just the spirituality part like people I I truly cannot describe like I went from fearing bees and hating them and just all of this stuff and like I love them so much like I feel like they're always going to be a part of me Um, moving forward I'm so ready to get my bee tattoo but I'm just holding off on those extra toxins Um, (laughs) the (laughs) non-toxic the non-toxic ink I know I gotta look that up girl um and then also this will have literally zero impact on the health of a hive I don't think people realize like how many bees die naturally every single day and um Also, the last thing is what I use in like three years is what one queen will lay within two to three days. So it's like, these are minute numbers. And I think like, as we know with mass media, it's like, save the bees, save the bees. And it's like, we are saving the bees. This will not have an impact, but it's hard for people to see like right off the bat, like, oh, you're a bee killer. And like some of the comments I've gotten have just been uh, ruthless. Yeah, I, I 
I was right in there with you in that when that happened, and I I felt like I was a, like a part of that because I I was watching it go back and forth, and and it's one of those the struggle for me is that I am basically vegan yeah. except for the fact that I consume honey, and I I always worry about that, and that's why I never say that I'm vegan because the vegan community can go really hard at people and get really nasty, and I don't want to associate myself with that because yeah, as also being a limey. I understand that you need to do what you need to do to feel better. And until somebody has been at the point of desperation, they can't possibly understand and have no, I I am so against like anybody saying nasty things on the internet, like needs to stop. And I I think, you know, Mel and I just wanted to like ask you, you know, we don't want to get too, you know, too into it because ban the negative vibes, but like, how has that experience changed the way that you thought about what you're doing it? Like, does it, mm-hmm. how did that feel when that was going on? I guess is what I'm trying to yeah. say. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. So one thing going back to like TikTok, I remember the very first TikTok that I ever posted. I had like no idea. Like I was with you guys, like new quarantined, yeah. like let's just threw something up about my bees. Like didn't put yeah. any disclaimers, didn't think about it twice. Cause to me, it just seems normal. And I'll never forget all the comments that I was getting. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I need to be a lot more thoughtful into what I'm putting out there. Right. Because like you said, there's the vegans, um, obviously that entire incident that happened. Um, there's people that are uneducated about Lyme disease, about chronic illness. It's like, I need to start kind of putting a little bit more thought into it. And I think that's one thing that I'm noticing as this is gaining a lot more awareness and attraction is that there's a lot more people posting about it, which is great. I am all for awareness. I am a girl's girl, like fucking yeah. But like, do it the right way. Like, I, I and I yeah. guess I had to learn through my mistakes. So maybe I should let other people learn too. But yeah, when I first started with all these like rude comments, like I, it got to me. Yeah. I remember calling my mom and just breaking down and being like, like, cause a part of me is like, I feel the need, like I feel called to promote it or to, yeah. to spread awareness. But then the other part of me is like, well, I need to focus on my health and my healing. And are these negative, yeah. negative comments like actually helping me? Like probably not. And so I remember like I took a few weeks off of like social media and just like really kind of like sat down and just try to figure it out. But yeah, I think for me, like I've gotten a lot better about ignoring them. Like I think there's always going to be people that are going to have negative comments, especially hiding behind a screen. Yeah. Like people just feel the need to like be keyboard warriors. And half the people that are reaching out to me are like, there's no name or no picture. So I'm just yeah. like, yeah. Yeah. I get the same thing. And, and I, and I went through that experience too, of like, it makes you not want to share your story. Mm -hmm. And then you have the come to Jesus moment where you're like, I am helping more people than I need to be this person because other people might not be able to handle it. Exactly. And and you just kind of like push through. But I also have had those moments where I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. I don't want to share information because I don't want to get bullied. Like, which is horrible because we're doing good things, right? We're sharing absolutely that help. It's crazy. People are just insane. And like, yeah, the ones that are like behind the screen, but that girl that came for me, that vegan girl that like like went on her camera and started bullying me. I was like, that was like the tip of the iceberg for me. I was like, this is the last straw. I'm done. <laughs> I I have never seen any anything like that. I I was in so deep in that whole thing going on. Yeah. I was so upset because it was just such a disgusting display of trolling and yeah. and beyond something that is normal like it, it just like you know you get the comments but somebody like legit making fun of you on yeah. social media and, a, and her following is huge yeah I was really put off um from life yeah <laughs> when mean, that happened I, to I, you 
at that like I have yeah. to just look at that and be like there are some like she has a lot of negative energy like in her body yeah. to be able to portray like send like I am such a lover and like I just want everyone yeah. to be happy and love and, like, and still even to this day like I wish her nothing but the best and I truly hope that she finds like healing within herself because there's that was just not okay and it wasn't right yeah. and like it still is insane to me that she like never once reached out to apologize which is fine again we're not all like everyone goes through their own yeah. shit but yeah that was just a whole different level of like bullying I was like holy crap like damn. yeah it just sucks because <laughs> it takes away from from the progress you've seen in your body and in your life like all these things that we should be celebrating and yeah. and like I I'm curious to hear like the main improvements you've seen in your body and in your life and kind of how you're like transitioning out of that like daily debilitating symptom like chronic illness cycle yeah this is gonna sound so silly but honestly the biggest thing is just getting my personality back like even being able to maintain a conversation with you guys like two years ago I just was constantly worrying in the back of my head and like as I talk to you I feel loopy and drunk right now I'm doing my parasite cleanse but you um, sound great though like you're fine see, I think, you think it more I you know, know. Yeah. I know but like even even that like my nervous system was so haywire for so long and trust me it's still days where it completely is but being able to maintain conversations and be present in them is like the biggest gift the bees have given me of just like feeling like myself again like I was a shell of a human for close to four to five years. I'm trying to figure out what was wrong with me. And for me, most of my stuff is neurological and brain and the, and the nail I had earlier about talking about like derealization and depersonalization. Like you just don't feel like you're even living on planet earth. And like, I'm starting to get that glimpse, which is amazing. However, I still have a long way to go. I'm only a year and a half in. Um, I've also posted stuff about like my inflammation too, and mm-hmm. which has gone like way down. That's great. I think like one of the biggest takeaways I want people to know, and and as again, as I see people start promoting this more, they're just promoting it as this miracle. And like, it's hell. It takes a lot of time. You're going to hurt a lot. And like, I'm only halfway through and I'm still not feeling, I'm I'm not healthy. I'm not fully healed. Right. So um, just want to be like realistic with that too, but I'm hopeful and I'm just sharing my journey. (laughs) Yeah. Which we appreciate and, and being a part of it. Um, I was just wondering too, just, you know, kind of as we're talking about healing and herxing, we were talking a little bit about it because I, I went through a lot of that too on, on my Lyme journey. What are your go-tos for dealing with a herx? Like, how do you get out of that? Cause it's terrible. Like you feel yeah, like you're awful. dying yeah, and you kind of like want to die. Cause you're like, I I'm yeah. dying. And this is it. Take me. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> I was in like one of the worst, like herxing or flares. I think it was like Monday. I hadn't had one that bad in so long. Um, and I was sitting in my, and I was at my hair salon and I was like, Oh my God, I literally am dying right now. And like, everyone's walking around me. I was like, I'm going to pass. I'm, I'm going to die right here in this chair. And nobody yeah. has any idea. Um, but yeah, as far as that, just detoxing, like as much as you can, I am a big fan of coffee enemas and infrared saunas, which are my like two faves. You're like, heck yeah. Get that yeah. Out. <laughs> yeah. Um, I said, what, what in the butt? Um, <laughs> yeah, we should have added that. We did a, a whole episode on coffee enemas and yeah. Mel and I bond over it. We talk about it all the time it's something everybody should do there's so many things in the alternative world that I'm like I just wish like everybody should be doing this to maintain their health 
Um, if it's really bad though, like honestly, I'll veg, I'll get on the couch and watch Real Housewives all day long. You know, I know you're my Bravo girl. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like Andy Cohen, like you can, you have my heart. <laughs> yeah. Thank God for Housewives pulling, pulling us all through. <laughs> Seriously. I don't know what I would do without it. I'm like, it's just mindless TV um, yeah. and it helps me and I laugh at it. And like, for me, when I'm in a hurt to be able to laugh is like really big. Well, I'm just so excited for all of the progress you've seen from this. And like, I just know how important it is to share this kind of healing. I just wish everybody had a way to begin seeing progress and you haven't run out of things you can try. Obviously there's more you can try. And with people like you coming out, talking about it bravely, I think it really opens doors for a lot of, a lot more people to be more open-minded about it. And I just really hope you continue sharing. I I love everything you post. And I'm so honored that we've had you on here. It's been so fun. And is there any way people can find you or anything you're kind of like working on right now or lately to kind of keep in mind? Yes, um, absolutely. Britter Bees with a Z on all across all channels. Um, I was doing consulting and I still am planning on doing consulting. Um, I just had to take a little bit of a break because of... I had to put me first y'all. I was like, yeah. I need, and sometimes it's hard to help others. And I'm like, I just, I've, I've had a rough, a rough few months. Um, yeah. and yeah, follow on there. Um, and hopefully, like I said, in the future, we'll get some studios going and start stinging people and we can have you ladies out in New York and do a little oh sting sash. Yeah. Um, we need to have like future. a big like wellness retreat where people come out and they can get stung and we can yeah. do, <laughs> have like a spa coffee enema like room. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Doing coffee enema in public is actually my worst nightmare, but, the, but yeah, count me, count me in. Can you imagine like passing in the lobby? Like, how was your experience? Yeah, <laughs> I talk, I text Mel while I'm doing it all the time. I'm Always. like doing a CE. <laughs> She's yeah. like, oh, I can't believe you abbreviated it. Like, I C- mean, I'm like yeah. CE. I have not heard that one, but I'm obsessed. <laughs> into it, into oh it. Oh my God. And your B boxes. I want people to yes. know if they need something that's a little bit more convenient when they first start working with the bees is that Brittany has this amazing bee box. So like explain a little bit about that. Yeah. So, um, essentially, obviously to house the bees, you need a little box and there were a few available on the market. And I just like found it. I'm just a like logistical nerd. Um, and I was like, Oh, I have to carry the box. And then I had the tweezers on the side and my EpiPen. I was like, this is like a lot. Like, why can't we just make something all in one? Um, and my dad actually growing up was a woodshop teacher. And so, I asked my dad, he also goes by Dougie Fresh. I was like, Dougie Fresh? Like, and of course his mind is like, oh, this is cool. I can get back in the shop. And so, yeah, so we created this awesome Britter Bees box, which that's the name of it, but you can personalize um, anybody's name on it. And it just holds all the tweezers and has all the utensils and just kind of like a one-stop shop for for the process. So um, yeah, that can be found on Etsy. Um, Also just in my Instagram and and both my TikTok bios too. I have it linked in the link tree as well. Thanks girl. This has been so fun. I'm so glad we got to have you on. Thanks for having me. You guys are so fun. Yeah, it's, it's been great. Maybe we'll have you on again for another wellness. Give me a year and a half and then I'll be fully healed. And then it'll be like just the full circle of life. Yeah. We'll do a recovery. Yeah. I can't wait. Thanks. Awesome. Thank you ladies. Well, that's everything we have for today. We hope you enjoyed our interview with Brittany. Check her out on Instagram and TikTok under Britter Bees. And until next time, subscribe, rate, give us a comment on Apple Music, and we'll talk to you guys again soon.